If you would like our free newsletters on various religious topics, just send us an email at cdebater at aol.com and free newsletters will be sent to you by mail. Just provide your postal address in your email. The following are samples of some of the newsletters we have available. Does God Believe in Atheists? Part 1 Seventh-day Adventism True or False The Agony of Deceit The Origins of Muhammad's Religion Spiritual Warfare Are Psychic Mediums Communicating with Ghosts or Demonic Spirits? Testimony to the Eternal Godhead, the Trinity. From Tradition to Truth, a Priest's Story. An Evaluation of the Oneness Pentecostal Movement. Mormonism, Counterfeit Christianity. Turn or Burn. Jehovah's Witnesses, Deceived Deceivers. Links to these newsletters can also be found at our website www.biblequery.org Once on the home page, simply click on the menu icon at the upper left-hand corner. Then click on the Newsletters button. Feel free to print them out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart, and upon their mind I will write them. He then says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Greetings and welcome once again to our program. I'm Larry Wessels, the Director of Christian Answers of Austin, Texas, Christian Debater, and I'm here in studio with one of my favorite guests for probably the last 30 years we've been doing this, <laughs> Rob Zins. And Rob, 
Thanks again for being with us. You're, one, one, more you're time. one of my favorite hosts. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm glad you can put up with me for all these decades. Indeed. Uh, so it's, it's, so it's great. So uh, probably a lot of our normal viewers are used to uh, seeing the both of us together. But for any new viewers, and by God's grace, we get a lot of new viewers uh, to our channel. So could you introduce yourself to the people at home that may not be familiar with you and what you do? Right. Well... Larry, for the past 30 years, I have been involved with a ministry titled A Christian Witness to Roman Catholicism. The goal of the ministry is to help Roman Catholics understand the difference between the religion that they're involved with, and I understand that religion because it is a cradle-to-grave religion, and I was raised as a Roman Catholic. But when God saved me out of Roman Catholicism, my desire was to go back to my Roman Catholic friends and relatives and say, something different has happened to me. And part of that difference is I'm reading the Bible. And initially, my goal was to prove that Roman Catholicism was true from the Bible. But at the end of the day, I found out that nothing that is a part of the Roman Catholic religion can be found in the scriptures other than the historical accounts mm -hmm. of uh, the Old Testament figures and the historical account of Jesus, of course. But the theology of Roman Catholicism, the doctrine of Roman Catholicism, the kinds of sacramentals and sacraments that we went through and that are still being promulgated and taught and experienced by Roman Catholic people is not to be found in scripture. Mm -hmm. So I had an opportunity to debate a Roman Catholic scholar a long time ago at the University of Toledo. The topic was justification. Was this after you got your degree at Dallas Theological Seminary? Yes. I was a pastor in a church in central Vermont, and uh, we were in a church plant situation, and I had heard that there was going to be a debate in San Diego, California. I was interested in the topic topic was justification. I wrote my master's thesis on justification. So I went out there and it was a debate between a, a Roman Catholic professor and a uh, fellow that I later uh, grew to uh, know and admire and we actually did a debate together. Jim White from Alpha and Omega Ministries uh, debated this guy on the issue of how does God justify the ungodly. And something about that debate, being in that audience, following carefully the line of reasoning from both sides, told me that this is what I want to do. I want to get involved in this kind of ministry. So we started a Christian witness to Roman Catholicism, and I was invited to debate. I went out to several debates, ended up debating Roman Catholic scholars in Australia, Ireland, in England, Scotland, uh, we, we have done debates with Roman Catholic scholars from Maine to Florida to California to Washington. And even here States. in Austin, Texas with uh, Monsignor Ed Jordan, even your most famous debate. Even here in Austin, Texas, right. Over 400,000 views last I checked on YouTube on that debate. Okay, so you don't see baptism as essential at all. I think it is very, very important. But I can't see condemning to hell all the men and women who have lived since Christ on continents that they never even heard of Jesus because nobody preached to them. And that 
they don't feel comfortable with that. When Paul says in Romans, where sin did abound, grace did more abound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does that mean other religions such as Islam? Sure. And uh, that worship Allah, uh, they, since they haven't heard about Christ, they would still go to heaven? Yeah. Pagan, uh, pagan worshipers also, that worship idols and stuff like that, that haven't heard about Christ? They would go that to are heaven. living in good faith to their idols. To whatever. Well, when I got into this, my, my, my desire was to say, now look, the Bible is the only word of God, as far as I can tell. And if it's in the Bible, I want to believe it. If it's not in the Bible, I don't need to believe it. If it can be proven from Scripture, then that's where I want to be. But if it's not provable from Scripture, why are we paying attention to it? So each element of the Roman Catholic religion had to be examined, and that's when I wrote my first book, mm -hmm. a book that um, argues against each and every element of the Roman Catholic religion from the Bible, and then, of course... Uh, now, that book is called Romanism, the Relentless... Roman Catholic Assault on the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanted to be clear in the title. <laughs> that I really, long title gets it pretty clear. I felt <laughs> that there was an assault on the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the Roman Catholic religion. Mm -hmm. Certainly growing up in the Roman Catholic religion, we never heard of the gospel. Mm -hmm. We never heard of eternal security. We never heard of faith alone. We never heard of the Bible alone. We were not required to read the Bible. Uh, we were required to go to Mass, and, but Mass is just do this, do that, sit, stand. Uh, rituals. Rituals, r religious rituals we're involved in. So. Uh, over the years, I've learned that uh, the Roman Catholic religion is a religion unto itself. It has a lot of parts and pieces. It has a history. It has people who defend it voraciously. Mm -hmm. They think that it is given of Christ and that their sacramental system was handed down from heaven. And so there, there's not a lack of people to debate on this. Mm -hmm. The Roman Catholic debaters are up front with their views and... I think that's good because you can compare the two, yes. and that's what we're doing here today. We're comparing a portion of the Roman Catholic belief on forgiveness of sins mm -hmm. with what the Scripture says. Right. Now, I will openly confess that if you can show me from Scripture something that we ought to do based upon a given command of the Lord or of His Apostles, then I'm more than willing to acquiesce to that. But if you can't show me book, chapter, and verse, and how it fits together with uh, the rest of Scripture, and it's uh, incumbent upon me to follow it mm -hmm. based upon a Christian conscience, mm -hmm. then th there's no sense in even talking to me, because one's authority determines everything. I think you'd agree with yes, that. Yes, of course. If the Bible is the only Word of God, that ought to be our authority. I've got several videos. I'll edit them into this program right here to show that we actually, I mean, if you're a Bible-believing, born-again Christian, the Word of God is your authority. It's your standard right. for hearing from God Himself. Right. It's the only authentic yeah. Word from the only God that's out there so in that's the universe. A, so that's our foundation. That's uh, it. The Lord, uh, in His high priestly prayer, said, to his heavenly Father, sanctify them, the apostles before him, and all who would believe in their 17. word afterwards. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. So this is his word. We're going from his word. But Rome is not absent when it comes to quoting the scriptures. Just like Jehovah's Witnesses aren't absent from quoting scriptures. Right. The Mormons can quote scriptures. Even now, it, I have to deal with a lot of Muslims bringing up scriptures, trying to argue for Islam right. from right. Bible scriptures. You know, So everybody right. can quote the Bible. Yeah. But is it... The actual proper interpretation, a proper hermeneutic yeah. in context of what yeah. the Bible is actually talking about. Right, and that's where it comes down to who are you going to trust. Mm -hmm. Now, I've talked with a lot of Roman Catholics over the years, and they don't like to talk about the Bible because most of them are not very well schooled in the scriptures. Yeah. But their apologists and their uh, seminary professors spend a lot of time in scripture, a lot of time in history, and they have increased the awareness of the value of scripture among their people. However, if you study with the Roman Catholic study guides, booklets, catechisms, catechisms things like this, yeah. uh, you're going to uh, interpret the Bible the Roman Catholic way. So it comes down to which way is correct. Mm -hmm. I mean, we might look at a paragraph and I would say, it doesn't teach that. And they'll say, oh, yes, it does. Right. And I'll say, no, it doesn't make sense to teach that. Compare scripture to scripture. And that's where the debate begins. Mm -hmm. So, thankfully, the Lord has given his uh, imprimatur to his word and his word alone. And he has encouraged Christians to read it, to study it, and to analyze it, put it together, and apply it to their lives and he has not left us empty-handed in doing so. In the first place, if you are born from above, if you are a true Christian, you have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's guaranteed to all Christians. Secondly, the Spirit of God is very much involved in applying and helping interpret the Word of God. Thirdly, the Bible teaches us that God has raised up teachers in the body of Christ, in His mm -hmm. church, to help us along our way. So we're not exactly all alone in the process I, I understand that Roman Catholic theologians, Roman Catholic teachers uh, feel the same way. They say, well, wait a minute now, we believe we have the mind of Christ, we believe that we have the Holy Spirit, we believe that we have good teachers as well. So at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to, okay, you, you read for yourself and compare, mm -hmm. and then you pray and ask the Lord, which person making the presentation is speaking the truth from your word. Mm -hmm. And all we can do is trust that the Spirit of God would. You know, in a, it's interesting in a way. I got there. married in a Roman Catholic church when mm -hmm. I met my wife in 1979. And we dated and everything. And I asked her to marry me. She was Roman Catholic. I was a nominal Lutheran at the time. And I wasn't as devout as I used to be, I used to be pretty devout. I used to go to church on Christmas and Easter. But then about the time I met my wife, I, I cut it in half. I only showed up at church maybe at Christmas time and left out Easter. So you can see I was very devout Lutheran at that time. Stretching the definition of devout to extreme, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to me, a Roman Catholic, a Lutheran, what's, right. what's the difference? You know, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I like this woman. I'm going to marry her. And so we got married in a Roman Catholic church. And I went with her there. Uh, I never became a member, but, 
you know, we'd go every you attend it occasionally. And, yeah, 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 occasionally we'd go and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, the, our first baby came along, and then the, the Roman Catholic priest at this church that my, it was St. Mary's Catholic Church in Austin, uh, they baptized her as a baby and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And But uh, somewhere along the line, uh, 1981, about a year later, a year and a half, something like that, no, it was about a year, uh, all of a sudden I get born again. And right. all of a sudden I start reading the Bible. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm starting to, like you, I started to read that Bible. In my mm-hmm. case, I just want to know what the Bible said because I'd never really had paid much attention to it. Uh, but then when you get born again, you get the Spirit. You just want to, you know, I started reading that Bible 12, 16 hours a day. Yeah, you have a desire it, to know what the Word exactly. of God Exactly. So all of a sudden I'm feeling like God's real. And this, and this book is real and uh so i got terrified and so i started reading that thing and i wasn't this right after i graduated from the university of texas and uh so i'm reading like crazy 12 16 hours a day because i didn't have a full-time job at that time i only worked like twice a week Mm -hmm. uh but eventually i got a real uh, a full-time job but i had time at that moment that time i got saved to just really go whole hog and i did and my wife was still roman catholic at that time, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm I'm starting to, see, you know, my eyes are open. I'm starting to see the difference, and uh, and, and as I saw the difference, I started bringing this to my wife, and all her family. They're all Roman Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, one thing led to another, and I couldn't get her to read it or even try to understand what I'm talking about. She was just convinced because created a grave like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd been raised in it, and she this is the church and all this. The way I was able, I thought really we were going to end up getting divorced, you know, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if the unbelieving spouse leaves, mm-hmm. you got to let them leave. But if they want to stay, you know, you let them stay. So I didn't really know there for a while because she was getting really mad. She would, she, she had me sleeping in a different room and all that because she was mad at me for uh, mm-hmm. going against her church and getting all into all this Bible. Her friends were saying, oh, don't worry about Larry. He'll be over in six weeks and then he'll be back to normal, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're still waiting, what, 40 years? Or to, how long is it, 81? It doesn't work that hey, 38 way. years now they've been waiting. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the way I was able to get my wife out of the Roman Catholic Church is because she wouldn't do what you're suggesting. She, could, she wouldn't read it or study it or any of that stuff, you know. She's just so convinced I'm wrong that she actually, on her own initiative, got with her priest she grew up with in that church and had... Uh, them meet with me for a little mini debate. Mm-hmm. And she would witness because she felt like they knew the Bible a lot more than she did. Right. And so they, having been priests the whole time she'd been alive for like 23 years, or she would just see them destroy me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, this was like, uh, I don't know, five or six months into me becoming a, a true Christian. But like I said, I was just reading that Bible mm-hmm. like crazy and going to the Christian bookstore and get some other stuff and getting Walter Martin and all that stuff. And uh, uh, anyway, so she set it up and then uh, she trusted her priest to take care of the situation. But I'll tell you what, I've done a lot of debates over all these 38 years. Mm-hmm. To Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Muslims, you name it, Church of Christ, uh, you name it, Oneness Pentecostal, you name the cult, mm-hmm. I can probably have a debate or something going on over all the time. But of all the debates I've done, uh, there was a radio ad debate against against this guy named Church Universal and Triumphant. That was a super, that was like 
beating up on a, a dummy, a, you know, an empty sack or something, you know. And, but this was even easier than that. Mm. <laughs> oh, by the way, that Church Universal and Triumphant uh, radio debate I did is on our YouTube channel if anyone wants to see that. And you see how easy that debate was? These Roman Catholic guys were worse than that guy. They were worse than that guy. <laughs> because we, we went for about 30 minutes. And they just, they had no biblical knowledge. Right. In fact, when I did a, a video with uh, Richard Bennett, uh, you know, the ex, he's pretty famous. He's out there all over the place on the internet. The ex Roman Catholic priest for 22 years. I asked him in that video I, I did with him. It's called uh, Roman Catholicism Denies Absolute Biblical Truth. And uh, I said, well, look, you're a Roman Catholic priest for all these decades. How come you never even read Matthew 15 about traditions of men? Mm-hmm. And Richard sits there, and you can go to that video and see it for yourself. He says, well, I didn't know it was there because I hadn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and see, these priests, he said, I spent all my time reading philosophy and, and stuff yeah. like this. And uh, philosophy, you should be reading the Word of God. Uh, but anyway, to make a long story short, it's already been a long story, but... Uh, these two guys, for 30 minutes, just, they got rolled by the Word of God. They didn't know the Word of God. Right. I'm just coming on with just everything. I was at the top of my game because I got ready for this thing. Right. And plus, I was already studying it for half the day anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my wife just was sitting there seeing this. Mm-hmm. And she decided to leave the Roman Catholic Church based on what she saw during that 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit of God was working in her to reveal to her that they did not have a foundation of truth, and you did. Well, I don't know if I can even go that far, because I have been able to lead a, I'd say, and I'm not trying to be immodest here or anything, it's just the grace of God and our opportunity like we have here Mm -hmm. to get these videos out there for people to see. But uh, by God's grace, I've been able to lead hundreds of Jehovah's Witnesses out of Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. But I would say most of those Jehovah's Witnesses have never become born-again Christians. They mm-hmm. just could, in their own fleshly minds, they could see Roman uh, Jehovah's Witness and a watchtower just wrong. Okay. You just, know, false prophecy. Just didn't make sense. Yeah. Exactly. Didn't see, line I, up. And I think that's what happened with my wife. She just could see that these Roman Catholic priests didn't know the Word of God. Right. It was just obvious to her. And I'm sitting here quoting the Bible right and left. And, and, and she wanted to be a part of something that... That was actually biblically based. Based, based biblically, uh, yeah. And, you know, she later got baptized and everything. But the thing is... She later came to Christ then. Yeah. Uh, but at that point... Just like with the, all these Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and mm-hmm. people like that, I've been, by God's grace, I've been able to lead out mm-hmm. of these cults. They, and a lot of them didn't even end up with Christ. It became mm-hmm. atheists or something else, right. you know, because I have no power to get somebody saved. Right. I can just do like the scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, you know, give it to every man an answer for the hope that lies within you right. with meekness and reverence. But the, the thing was, she could see from that that these guys don't know anything. They don't know anything about the Word of God, and they can't even refute anything I'm saying because it was just obvious. In other words, anybody could have been in that room. It didn't have to be my wife. <laughs> they just see nothing was happening with these priests. Well, it's interesting you say that. I have been involved in situations where it was so patently obvious to me that the Roman Catholic person that I'm talking to did not have a biblical base, mm-hmm. did not want a biblical base. 
had an implicit trust in their priest or in their bishop or in their cardinal pope, whatever. And even though they had no foundation in the Bible, remain in the Roman Catholic religion, unmoved by the obvious. Mm -hmm. So I think there might have been something else going on with your wife at that point that mm -hmm. you say it was so obvious, mm -hmm. but I'm saying there'll be people who will hear your whole conversation mm -hmm. with those two guys and they'll walk right over and they'll say, I'm on their side. Well, you're, you're, you're dead right. You're just, I, I you're totally just, agree yeah, with you yeah. because I actually had a situation like that That's at right. my job. I think I mentioned this in a couple of other videos. We've done 750 yeah. videos, so yeah. probably I did it somewhere. <laughs> in all those videos we've got out on YouTube and in other places. But I had talked to this guy. He said he was Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. and he gave me an opportunity to witness to him after work. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that because it was during the summertime, and I'm out in the parking lot in the Texas heat. The sun's beating down on us, and we stayed out there for two or three hours. Right. And uh, I remember the, the, well, the time of day it was, the sun's kind of hit me on this side. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after you're out in the Texas sun for two or three hours, I remember getting home, I looked at myself in the mirror, this side was all red. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this side was white. <laughs> I'm kind of like a, kinda yeah. a half person here. But anyway... Uh, I, I talked to him. He didn't know a thing about Bible theology or anything. He was raised Roman Catholic. Right. And he actually said he was an atheist. Uh, but he still was a member of the Roman Catholic Church right. just in case they were right. Yeah. As a fire escape right. from hell. Right. You know, and so it, I, I taught myself, I, I mean, I read on this side, white on this side, but I taught myself blue. Mm -hmm. So that way I changed all those colors. But anyway, no, that's just joking. You're a but, rainbow. Yeah, there you go. But see, the guy was unmoved right. by unmoved. Two, two or three hours of just straight biblical talk, every right. kind of argument I could give him. And he was unmoved because it goes back to exactly what you just said right. before I started unmoved. coming back. And, and this that, that, that thought comports with Scripture because when Paul wrote his letters, mm -hmm. he wrote them to confessing Christians. Mm -hmm. men and women teenagers perhaps that he thought had surrendered their lives to Christ and mm -hmm. understood the gospel mm -hmm. and he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 13 he says and for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God God's message you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Mm -hmm. So there are those who will receive the word of God mm -hmm. in the Roman Catholic religion, mm -hmm. and they'll come out. That's right. Because the spirit of God is at work taking the word of God and convicting them, applying it. Well, you're in a living example. I'm you're a living, living example. example. Right. That's right. And there's no reason for me to believe other than the fact that God had, from the foundation of the world, determined at that moment in time that the Spirit would apply well, His Word. That's Ephesians chapter love. 1, verses 1 through right. 4, 11. Yeah. So. In love, He predestined us. That's right. So, so... Uh, uh, we, we will we will set the the word out carefully as we can, and we will also know that the Lord will use it. 
Okay. And that's what your ministry is all Amen. about, and that's what my ministry that's right. is all about. That's why we hang yeah. out together, yeah. right? <laughs> Kindred uh, spirits. So we couldn't we couldn't possibly talk about anything more important than the forgiveness of sins. Exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now uh, let me in- intro this, and then you've got your notes, and I want to get yeah. have you give it over to you here in just a second. Mm-hmm. But I'll say uh, I'll, I'll start out with mentioning to our audience that. Uh, we put up a video with Richard Bennett, former, and I mentioned him before, uh, former Roman Catholic priest for 22 years in the Dominican order. He mm. was out there in the Trinidad and baptizing babies and all the rest of that stuff that Roman Catholic priests do for decades. Anyway, he got saved in a similar fashion with us. You know, the Lord, Ephesians 1, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, the Lord had mercy on him and he got saved, born again. Wow, and then all the kind of he could see the truth, you know, and he could yeah. see the word of God as what it really is. The Word of God. Uh, so our viewers should notice here, as we're looking at this video that we put up last year at the time of this recording, notice the date there, June the 8th, 2019, with uh, 1,414 views. And the name of the video, of course, Confessions to Roman Catholic Priests are Unnecessary and Unbiblical, Leading to False Forgiveness. What I particularly want our viewers to notice about this video is the likes to dislikes. As we zoom in here, you see that we have 64 likes to this video and zero dislikes. This is highly unusual for our videos on our YouTube channel, See Answers TV. The reason for this is almost all our YouTube videos usually have some kind of negative dislike. Fortunately, most of our Likes far exceed our dislikes, but this particular video is very unusual because there's no dislikes. And I wanted our viewers to notice that because I think, surely, with all these views we've had on it, uh, some Roman Catholics have watched this video, yet they give it no dislikes. And I think part of the reason for this is they agree with the title of this video which is confessions to Roman Catholic priests are unnecessary. That's because most Roman Catholics do not confess their sins in a confessional box to a priest. So they like to have somebody supporting their cause and not going to a confessional box to confess anything to a priest. So at the time of this recording, which is in May 2020, now someone can come along later after we produce this video and give dislikes to this particular video but at the time we're doing this video it had zero dislikes and that's after almost a year notice the time it was produced june 8th 2019 we're doing this video here that you're watching in may 2020 so almost 11 months have gone by without anybody giving this video a dislike significant i think to prove the point that most Roman Catholics do not go to confessionals. And now here's a few clips from this particular video with Richard Bennett concerning Roman Catholic confessional boxes and confessions. Confession to a priest is the topic I want to discuss with you in the next uh, few minutes. It is a quite interesting topic. Uh, Many Catholics want to know about confession, even though the sacrament of confession is not as popular now as it used to be, 
but still it is a question that comes up again and again as people come to our webpage and people ask uh, by emails and other ways what is confession to a priest? So it is a topic we should address and the Catholic Church is emphatic that the priest has power to forgive sin and that this is the only ordinary way in which your sins can be forgiven. I'd like to read from the Catechs of the Catholic Church and it is easy to find the Catholic Catechism online or you can get, maybe you have a copy of the Catechism yourself, but paragraph 1493, exact words. One who desires to obtain reconciliation with God and with the Church must confess to a priest all unconfessed grave sins as he remembers after having carefully examined his conscience. You must. It's not as, as if this was advised to you or maybe um, you know that you would confess your sins to God and then maybe later on confess to a priest. No, you must confess to a priest. So it says, paragraph 1493. It's also in the official law known as the Code of Canon Law. It's Canon 960 of the official Code of Catholic Canon Law. Quotation, individual and integral confession and absolution constitute the only ordinary way which the faithful person who is aware of serious sin is reconciled with God and the church. This is the only ordinary way. I absolve you. It's the priest that absolves your sins. He is acting as the judge. Now that is interesting that the Catholic Church says that and it, it's emphatic that the um, it's a priest to forgive your sins. It's not like God forgives your sins as you would see again and again in Scripture. It's not. It's the priest and the the Council of Trent was emphatic on this and it, 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 it had a, a whole canon where it says in canon 902 I beg your pardon, yes, 902 and it is um, the official teaching of the Catholic Church as found in Denzinger 902 and it's Canon 9. So it's Denzinger 902, Canon 9. Exact quotation. However, although, although the absolution of the priest is the dispensation of the benefaction of another, yet it is not a bare ministry only, either of announcing the gospel or declaring the forgiveness of sins, but it is equivalent to a judicial act by which sentence is pronounced by him as a judge. The priest acts as a judge. I absolve you. I remember saying that in the confession box for 21 years in Trinidad West Indies and I would say it again and again. People would come into the confession box on Saturdays. We had confessions from 
3 o'clock to 6 o'clock and then from 6 to 7 we had supper and then from 7 to 8 we had another hour of confessions and people would queue up. I remember distinctly even though it was many many years ago you know I was sitting in the box and somebody would come and kneel beside me looking through uh, a grating, a steel grating and you can see the person's face. I remember how embarrassing it was particularly with young women. You know, they would be confessing their sexual sins or other sins they've committed and sometimes I would see sweat here on their foreheads. You know, it was just here, on, you know, it would... And I would sweat as well, and it wasn't just because it was tropics, Trinidad's in the tropics. It was a fearful thing. And as the years went by, and I saw people come in and out of confession, and week after week come back with the same sins, I'm just wondering, what? <laughs> what does this deliver? Uh, people coming back with the same sins. Even in my last parish, I remember the youth in the choir and the, in, the, in the youth group that we had, I remember their sins of getting into drugs and fornication and all sorts of things. And when my own youth would come back with the same sins and, you know, and I give them absolution, and it doesn't seem to make any difference. It was really, really difficult. So this is a topic and it's no wonder we get emails and people coming to our web pages like my webpage greenbeacon.org and the other webpage helpforcatholics.org uh, where we, um, we deal with these things. It's no wonder that we have people inquiring because it is a serious, serious <laughs> matter. Even in the Old Testament the Lord is emphatic. Isaiah 43, chapter 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he that blots out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. I, even I. The Lord is emphatic. He repeats the I. I, even I. It's God who forgives sins. It's not institution or any judicial person thinking he is a judge in a confession box. <laughs> it's, it's God and God alone. And uh, it is what the Apostle Paul preached. You go through the Acts of the Apostles and chapter after chapter and you come to, towards the end of the Acts of the Apostles or coming towards the end, chapter 13, Paul is preaching and he says, uh, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Paul preaching that through Christ Jesus, the man, the mediator, who is God and man, is preached to you forgiveness of sins. Besides that, I noticed when I was putting the video up that I did a little research it actually came from your video with Dale Rudiger. Mm -hmm. Because in that video, he mentioned he was going to some Roman Catholic church with 30,000 members. Right. And there wouldn't have been, if all 30,000 members would go to the confession box, there wouldn't be enough time in the day for the priest to handle all those people. 
And his guess was there's about 30% of them were going to the confession box. Mm -hmm. But then I said, I wonder if that stat's backed up by anything. So I did a little research on the Internet. And uh, I found out that, and, and people are seeing it on the screen there, I, I found this, this Boston, Boston Globe article mm. that said that only 2% of all Roman Catholics, Catholics actually go to a Roman Catholic priest to ask for forgiveness. Mm. Only 2%. Now that means that 98% of all Roman Catholics are not going to confession. And they were saying in the Boston Globe article, and of course, the people at home won't be able to get the references and the links to this so they can see it for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to take my word for it. But that that's why I wanted us to do this video. Right. Uh, because my question is, uh, one of the seven sacraments that are essential in the Roman Catholic Church, one is confession. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness of sins, right? Right. Uh, it's called penance. Penance. The sacrament and, of penance. And so, if 98% of Roman Catholics are just forgetting about one of these, they're just ignoring it, like it doesn't exist, 98% of Roman Catholics are ignoring that sacrament. Mm -hmm. What are the consequences, according to Roman Catholic teachings, of doing that? So, with that as a setup for this show, mm -hmm. I want you to get into the research you've done, and we'll kick things back and forth as we go through well, let's, let's begin then by talking about the facts of the matter, okay? The Roman Catholic priesthood is established for two main purposes. The first purpose is to consecrate the wafer in the Roman Catholic Mass and transubstantiate that piece of bread into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Make it into and God. And present it as an unbloody mm -hmm. offering to God for forgiveness of sin. So they're the ones that have the power to do this. That's their first and most primary job. Mm -hmm. The second job of the Roman Catholic priest is to listen to the confessions of Roman Catholic people as they take themselves, find themselves in the confessional box, and uh, they are required by Roman Catholic canon law and theology to confess their sins at least one time each year. Mm. And in the case of mortal sins, they are required by the church to confess mortal sins just as soon as they are committed. Because if you die with an unconfessed mortal sin, there's no hope for you. You're going to hell if you die with mortal sins. Okay. So, this idea of confession and uh, confessing your sins to a priest goes back a long time in history. Now, Roman Catholic historians and theologians will tell you that it began early, but it really didn't begin early. It, it, it probably, uh, my goodness, as far as historical review of the Church Fathers, there's nothing of what we call auricular confession in the Church Fathers for the first 200 years of the Church. Mm -hmm. Perhaps as early as the 4th century there there was a, an evolution of sorts of rather than confessing sins to one another and confessing sins publicly there was this idea of quietly taking your sins and confessing them to the leadership of the Church. But this idea of granting penalties of satisfaction to people 
for forgiveness of their sins, that's unheard of. That's mm -hmm. late in his, late, oh my goodness, it's probably the uh, seventh, eighth century before even the notion of that sort of thing came into fruition. I thought I read somewhere, but I, don't quote me on it, but I thought I saw it could have been almost a thousand years later. But Yes, yes. I, I, I didn't bring that now, documentation with me. <laughs> well, our concern, as far as modern Rome is, is, uh, is concerned, is do they still practice confession to a priest for forgiveness of sin? The answer is yes. Does the priest have the responsibility to listen to the sins of his people and then prescribe suitable penance or suitable satisfaction? Yes, he does. So the practice is still with us. So as Bible-believing Christians, those of us who understand that the primary emphasis of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins, and the emphasis of the incarnation of Jesus Christ is to die on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God against sin, mm -hmm. we're keenly interested in how our sins are forgiven. Well, with Rome, it starts in their understanding of Luke chapter 13, verse 5. And I have my Bible open. It's a New American Standard Bible. And I'm just going to put a little circle around verse 5 in Luke chapter 13. And I want to read the first four verses with you. And then we'll talk about it, okay? Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Now, on two occasions here, in verse 2 and in verse 5, the Lord says, Unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. Verse 5, verse 3, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Now, I'm just going to underline this word repent here in verse 3 and repent here in verse 5. Believe it or not, Larry, this is the beginning of of Roman Catholic confession to a priest. Really? Yes, because the early translation from the Greek text into the Latin text translates verse 3 with these words. I tell you, no, but unless you do penance, you will all likewise perish. Again, in verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you do penance, you will all likewise perish. The, the translation, do penance, is a mistake in the Latin translation that was carried over into the English translation, and it's repeated again in Acts 2.38, where Peter tells his audience, repent and believe on the Lord, repent and be baptized, believe right, on the Lord right, Jesus right. Christ. Well, the Roman Catholic Bible has do penance and be baptized. That's the Douay Rames also. That's the standard tra English translation for the Roman Catholic religion, mm -hmm. the Douay Rames translation right, of the right. Bible. 
and they still have do penance in the mm-hmm. Douay Rheims yep. translation of the Bible. Well, do penance, what does that mean? Do penance means that you have to have a certain prescription given to you by the priest from the confessional box whereby you do penance for sins that you have committed. Mm-hmm. You're doing penance, which is doing satisfaction for your sins. You're trying to make up for your sins by doing good works? Doing good works. We're going to get to what these penances are, but uh, this is reinforced by the Council of Trent, which is the grail of Roman Catholic theology, the Council of Trent. The Holy Grail? Well, <laughs> I'm not, I didn't say holy. I just said it's the grail. In chapter 1 of session 14 of the Council of Trent, we read these words. If in all those regenerated, such gratitude were given to God that they constantly safeguarded the justice received in baptism by his bounty and grace, there would have been no need for another sacrament besides baptism to be instituted for the remission of sins. Mm. Wow. Baptism forgives Adam's sin in the infant, and baptism in the adult forgives all of the sins done previous to baptism. Mm. But what about post-baptismal sins? Mm. Post-baptismal sins have to be forgiven in some way. Somehow, here's the way. But since God, rich in mercy, and knows our frame, he has a remedy of life even to those who may, after baptism, have delivered themselves up to the servitude of sin and the power of the devil. Namely, God has given us the sacrament of penance, by which the benefit of Christ's death is applied to those who have fallen after baptism. Okay? Now, on the next page, they give, well, let's just read. Penance was indeed necessary at all times for all men who had stained themselves by mortal sin, even for those who desired to be cleansed by the sacrament of baptism. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to obtain grace and justification, that their wickedness being renounced and amended, they might have a hatred of sin and a sincere uh, heart to detest so great an offense against God, God has given them penance. Just as the prophet says, the Lord also said, except ye do penance, you shall likewise perish. That citation is taken from Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 30. Unless you do penance. The Mm. English translation from the Hebrew text is unless you repent. So in each and every case, the translators of Hebrew in the Latin and Greek in the Latin translate it, do penance Mm -hmm. instead of repent. Mm -hmm. Now this is the beginning of Roman Catholic confession to a priest because somebody has to give them the penance to do. Okay. Now let me, just for the sake of the audience real good, see that's coming, the canons and decrees of the Council of Trent. You mentioned that before, but I just wanted the cameras to yeah. see that book. Okay. okay, go ahead. Yeah. Now, 
This mistranslation of the Greek word metanoia mm -hmm. has been with us for centuries. Yes. Interestingly enough, the New American Catholic Bible mm -hmm. has the proper translation. And mm -hmm. at least three more modern Roman Catholic translations of the Bible have the correct translation. Oh, no, that makes it interesting. They have changed it from do penance to repent, the way it's supposed to be. Right, right. Okay? But that does not stop Rome. Rome combines this early mistranslation with John chapter 20, verse 21 through 23, mm -hmm. in which they rely heavily upon the authority of priests to forgive sins. Mm -hmm. John chapter 20, verse 21 says this, Jesus therefore said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. From this passage of Scripture, John chapter 20, verse 21 through 23, combined with the mistranslation for centuries of the Latin Vulgate mm -hmm. and the English translation of do penance instead yes. of repent, we have the foundation of the Roman Catholic doctrine of confession to a priest mm -hmm. for forgiveness of sins. And it's with us today. For instance, the New Catholic Catechism, 1994, says, Since Christ entrusted to his apostles the ministry of reconciliation, bishops, who are their successors, and priests, the bishops, collaborators, continue to exercise this ministry. Indeed, bishops and priests, by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders, have the power to forgive all sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This is paragraph 1461 from the New Catholic Catechism. Paragraph 980 says this, It is through the sacrament of penance that the baptized can be reconciled with God and with the Church. Penance has been rightly called by the Holy Fathers a laborious kind of baptism. And here's the final touch. This sacrament of penance is necessary for salvation for those who have fallen after baptism, just as baptism is necessary for salvation for those who have not yet been reborn. Now repeat that, because that's critical to it this is. whole video. If you wouldn't mind, just say it again. Penance has been rightly called by the Holy Fathers a laborious kind of baptism. This sacrament of penance is necessary for salvation for those who have fallen after baptism, just as baptism is necessary for salvation for those who have not yet been reborn. In other words, in the Roman Catholic religion, you are born again in baptism. Mm -hmm. But you sin after you are baptized, and the only way to remedy that sin is through the sacrament of penance, and the sacrament of penance follows confessing your sins to a priest in a confessional box. Christians, mind you, 
you and I and all other Christians, counter their argument by asking a simple question. How does God forgive sins? What is the way in which sins are forgiven according to the New Testament? Christians quote Luke 24, 44 through 48, and here it is. Now the Lord said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance, I'm going to underline that, repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Notice it's repentance, not do penance, mm -hmm. and it's for forgiveness of sins, and it's proclaimed. Christians believe that the authority to forgive sins does not lie in the office of the person, it lies in the proclamation of the truth. Yes. So every Christian can safely say, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in your heart that God sent his son to die for sins, you're a sinner, and your only hope of heaven, your only hope to escape the wrath of God from your sins is to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and accept his righteousness as your own through faith alone. If, if somebody believes that, we can honestly say to them, your sins are forgiven because part of the gospel proclamation is forgiveness of sins based upon faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. Now, a Roman Catholic may think when you say that, your sins are forgiven based on that passage that you've read from, uh, that that's only up to that moment. But then if they sin right after you've given them that absolution, uh, right. then, then that, they're in trouble. That's why, we're going to, that's why we're going to quote the raven, nevermore, nevermore, nevermore. And we're going to keep saying nevermore, nevermore, nevermore. Because the Bible teaches us nevermore. Right. Never will be held against that's you again. That's the Bible, not Edgar Allan Poe. And, yeah, that's the Bible. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, as we move forward in the Roman Catholic understanding, I'm going to turn again to the Council of Trent. The Council of Trent anticipated that these nefarious so-called Christians would appeal to Luke 24, verses 44 through 48 yes. as a counter-argument to the invention of confession boxes by the Roman Catholic religion. And here's what they have to say about that. This is the Council of Trent. Right. Therefore, this holy council, approving and receiving that perfectly true meaning of the above words of the Lord, remember, the above words of the Lord are, except you do penance, you shall all likewise perish, yes. except you do penance. And they quote Acts 2.38, Receive ye the Holy Ghost whose sins uh, you shall forgive. They are forgiven then, and whose sins you shall retain are retained out of John chapter 20 as well. So Acts 2, 
and um, Ezekiel 18, along with Luke 13, 5, and Luke 13, as we read, those are the words that the council is referring to when they say, therefore, this holy council, approving and receiving the perfectly true meaning of the above words of the Lord, condemns the grotesque interpretation of those who, contrary to the institution of this sacrament, wrongly contort those words to refer to the power of preaching the word of God and making known the gospel of Christ. In other words, you and I and all other Christians are condemned because we wrongly contort these words to refer to the power of preaching the word of God and making known the gospel of Christ rather than confessing your sins to a priest. So if a Roman Catholic says to me, how are your sins forgiven? I say, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They say, no, no, that's not the way that you have your sins forgiven. No, that's wrong. That's a contortion and that's a grotesque misinterpretation of the Bible. It's not the word of God and making the gospel known that forgives your sins. It's the confessional box. Coming right from the Council of Trent. Right from the Council of Trent. Straight up from the Council of Trent. Well, while the, the Christians, the real Christians, are just going right to the Word of God. So it's right to the Word of God versus right to the Council of Trent. Exactly. I think the Bible trumps the Council of Trent. That's my opinion. Uh, and here's the, <laughs> here's the problem. Here's the problem. All of you out there who are watching this video, you know what the problem is. The problem is that the Roman Catholic religion wrongly interpreted Ezekiel 18.30, Luke 13.5, and Acts 2.38 by forcing it to say, do penance rather than repent. The word repent means change your mind. Yes. Think differently. Yes. Think oppositely of what you were thinking. Do penance means do something to satisfy the wrath of God against you. So while the priests are administering this due penance through the confessional box, Roman Catholics are receiving this. Now, let me ask you real quick. Okay, they're in a confessional. The Roman Catholic's in the confessional box, mm -hmm. uh, looking through that little screen at the, the Roman Catholic priests. And they, so she, like Richard Bennett said in that video, it's all kinds of sexual sins, mm -hmm. thieving, right. maybe murder, all kinds of bad things. And the priest has to come up with Things for them to do. Is that the deal? They have to, they're going to tell those people you got to do certain penance right. to make up for all these things. Now, the, the person in the box, yeah. other than the priest, is the penitent. Right. All right. So the penitent has three things mm -hmm. he has to have contrition. Okay. He has to have confession. Yes. And he has to have satisfaction. All right. Otherwise, the sins are not forgiven. So if he does two of them but then doesn't do the third... They're not forgiven. So he's got to do all three. He has to have all three. So the works he's got to do, the things he's got to get the satisfaction for, or whatever, is that based on what the priest tells him? Yes. Okay. So the priest on the spot, here's all this garbage from a person's life, yeah. and he has to come up with stuff to tell them that they have to do? Yes. Now let me let me just go through the, the modern Catholic catechism. You think this is as ancient as can be? You think it's not going on anymore? 
It is. I don't care if 98% of the Roman Catholics don't do it. Yeah. They're required to do it. So their souls are in deep jeopardy. All right. All right. According to Roman Catholic doctrine. Yes, according to Roman Catholic. 1456, the New Catholic Catechism, paragraph 1456. Confession to a priest is an essential part of the sacrament of penance. All mortal sins of which penitents, after a diligent self-examination, are conscious of, must be recounted by them in a confession. Even if they are the most secret and have been committed against the last two precepts of the Decalogue, for these sins sometimes wound the soul more grievously and are more dangerous than those which are committed openly. You've got secret sins, get them out. Mm -hmm. You've got open sins that everybody knows about, get them out. It's your responsibility to confess these sins, no matter how bad they are, mm -hmm. to a priest in a confessional box. That's your responsibility. Paragraph 1457, next paragraph. According to the church's command, after having attained the age of discretion, each of the faithful is bound by an obligation faithfully to confess serious sins at least once a year. Okay? Mm -hmm. Anyone who is aware of having committed a mortal sin must not receive Holy Communion, even if he experiences deep contrition, without first having received sacramental absolution unless he has a grave reason for receiving communion and there's no possibility of going to confession. In other words, if he can't go to confession, he might be off the hook. Mm -hmm. But under normal circumstances, he has to. Children must go to the sacrament of penance before receiving Holy Communion for the first time. Children must go. Mm -hmm. Paragraph 1459. Many sins wrong our neighbor. One must do what is possible in order to repair the harm, return stolen goods, restore the reputation of someone slandered, pay compensation for injuries. Simple justice requires as much, but sin also injures and weakens the sinner himself, as well as his relationships with God and neighbor. Absolution takes away sin, but it does not remedy all the disorders sin has caused. Raised up from sin, the sinner must still recover his full spiritual health by doing something more to make amends for the sins. He must make satisfaction or expiate his sins. This satisfaction is called penance. He must. And, and that, my friend, is another gospel. Sure that is. is an antichrist, heretical, anti-Christian doctrine. The idea that a sinner must do more to make amends for his sin, he must make satisfaction, he must expiate his sins, and this satisfaction is called penance, is a slap in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ and his once and for all atonement for sins. And notice what you kept cross. repeating there. Must. 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 Expiation is taken away from Jesus Christ and put in the hands of a sinner. Satisfaction is taken away from Jesus Christ and put in the hands of a sinner. Oh, they will say, Jesus Christ died on the cross so that 
God is willing to accept our expiation and our satisfaction. He only opens the gates so that God will accept what we do. Mm. That is another gospel. Right. That is an antichrist gospel. But it gets worse. Paragraph can get worse? It can. <laughs> okay. The penance the confessor imposes, that's the priest, must take into account the penitent's personal situation and must seek his spiritual good. It must correspond as far as possible with the gravity and nature of the sins committed. Now, who's going to decide the gravity and the nature of the sins committed? The priest is. Who's going to decide the penance? The priest. Now, let me ask you real quick here. The priest, the priest, the priest. That's right. all important here. Right. But what about the priest? Maybe he hasn't gone to confession. And maybe he's doing confessional box that day, but he hadn't had a chance to do his own confession. Right. How does that work? Doesn't matter. It's the same as uh, administering the the uh, baptism. So the priest is above everything. No, the priest the priest is doing what he's told by Christ, and in the moment he's doing it, that's good enough. He doesn't have to be perfect. He doesn't have to be sinless. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. The power is in the sacrament, not in the priest. So, oh, so it's the thing being done that matters, so not the, the nature of the person doing it. So if the priest, let's say, was molesting the child, like we've heard in the news reports, right. earlier that day, and then he's in the confession box taking people's confessions, right. he's still above all that and can just perform his sacrament Yes, he's not disqualified. In he's fact, not disqualified. A, priest, a priest conceivably could molest a 12-year-old boy mm-hmm. on Saturday morning after breakfast yeah. and then on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock hear the confession of that boy and forgive him, give him absolution, and give him penance to do. Because it's the sacrament that has the power, not the person you know, to me, that seems kind of hypocritical, though. It's like, well, why it, does the boy have to do it? And this priest over here is... The priest is not exempt. The priest confesses his sin to other priests. Okay, so he'll get covered times. later. He'll get covered later. Oh, okay. That's what I was trying yeah, to get He'll get, get covered so. later. I thought you meant, is he, does he qualify to perform the... Yeah, he'll sacrament? always qualify. Because I've heard qualify. that even if a, a priest quits being a priest... The Roman Catholic Church says, no, he's a priest for the rest of his life. He could be drunk and still do the Mass. It doesn't matter yeah. because the power is in the sacrament, not in the person. See, which is also anti-Christ and anti-biblical because your moral behavior and everything plays into what you're doing for God. And if you can right. just ignore all that to supposedly do something for right. God, that slaps in the face of what the Scripture itself teaches. <laughs> the whole thing is a man-made religion, That's top it. to bottom. That's it. It starts with the mistranslation. Just going over this information yeah. is just... So you're right, it is getting worse. Go ahead. All right. So you're in a... Conf- and I went through this as yeah. a Roman Catholic, raised in the Roman yeah, Catholic yeah. confessional box. Hopefully so, you weren't molested. No. <laughs> Not to my knowledge. <laughs> I was getting worried. Okay, go ahead. I wasn't. I can safely say I was not. Thank you. Um, So we've got the confessor imposing upon the penitent uh, penance. Well, what is a penance then? What does he do? Well, here you go. The penance can consist of prayer and offering, works of mercy, service of nature, voluntary self-denial, Sacrifices. 
and above all, the patient acceptance of the cross we must bear. Such penances help configure us to Christ who alone expiated our sins once for all. They allow us to become co-heirs with the risen Christ, providing we suffer with him. So this priest could tell Martin Luther, get on your knees, one step at a time, Mm -hmm. knee by knee, and walk up to the top of the Sistine Chapel. And we're going to sprinkle tacks and glass along the way. Mm -hmm. Because the more you do this and provide this suffering for Jesus Christ, the closer you draw to him. And did you catch these words? You become co-heirs with the risen Christ. Mm. Just pure blasphemy. Oh, it's you're right. It got worse. This is you're taking. You're actually slapping Christ in the face by your own lousy works, which the Scripture already says in Isaiah. Your works, your righteousness is as filthy rags. There, there is no righteousness that are even compare to the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And yet they're doing it. There is no confessional box in Scripture. Mm -hmm. There is no absolution offered by a priest in Scripture. Mm -hmm. There is no penance offered to anyone by a priest in Scripture. And that's a mistranslation anyway. And there is nothing in the first two or three hundred years of the early church to even suggest such a thing. And yet, Roman Catholics march in, march out. The ones who go, the ones who don't go, are actually better off. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not according yeah. to their own religion, but according to us, we would say, good, don't go, stop, get out of there. <laughs> Run as fast as you can, because it is it is blasphemy of the highest sort. Well, 98% the priest, of them, according to the Boston Globe, are, are totally ignoring the confession box. I know. Well, perhaps they ought to. So as we move forward, we read this stuff about the confessional box and and all all of that is happening, would it not be refreshing to hear from our scriptures insofar as what our Lord and Savior has to say? When we come before a Roman Catholic who is trapped in the box Mm -hmm. with his priest Mm -hmm. and actually believes that by doing things like, oh, what were some of them? works of mercy, service to a nature, voluntary self-denial, sacrifices, patient acceptance of the cross, whatever that means, that that can satisfy God's wrath against So them. they've got to do works in order to get their sins forgiven so they can make it eventually to purgatory or to heaven. Right. they got to do works to accomplish that. They do. Works Which is totally violates what the, the Bible teaches. Well, they don't believe in salvation. Yeah, that's the sin of presumption. Yeah. They believe hopefully saved. Yeah, which is also another violation. I know. <laughs> it, it just goes bad, and then it goes from bad to worse. Let's be refreshed. For those of you who are watching this video, I just want to quote for you a couple of the scriptures that we as Christians hold dear and near, and speak to this whole issue of confessing your sins to a priest. Hebrews ten, verse twelve through eighteen. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. One sacrifice, 
perfect forever. We don't need self-sacrifice for, for our sins to be forgiven by God. For the Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. No more. No more. The satisfaction of Jesus Christ satisfies the sins of all of his people for eternity. You can't add to it. You can't make it better. You can't improve upon it. And where these sins have been forgiven, verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 10, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Where these sins have been forgiven, there's no sacrifice for sin. Yet, the New Catholic Catechism has it that there is a sacrifice for sin. Paragraph 1460 says, Offering works of mercy, self-denial, sacrifices. These are the things that forgive sins, where the scripture clearly says there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. Listen to Romans chapter 10, verse 8. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now I have chosen Romans chapter 10 verses 8 through 12 because I want you to understand that when the Apostle Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, what you believe in your heart you will confess what you really believe deep down in your heart, you will confess. And if you believe deep down in your heart that you can only have your sins forgiven by absolution from a Roman Catholic priest and you doing penance, if you believe that in your heart, that's what you will confess with your mouth. That's what you will tell others. That's what you will tell your children. That's what you will tell your grandchildren. And that's what will come out of your mouth whenever this subject is raised. That is not confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. That's confessing the Roman Catholic man-made religion. It is not the gospel. When Paul says these kinds of things, when he says, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not this idea, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, perhaps you'll be saved, perhaps you'll make it to purgatory, Perhaps you'll overcome a mortal sin. Perhaps if you go to confession to a priest, you're not believing in your heart the right thing. You're believing in your heart the very wrong thing. Even though you say you believe God raised him from the dead, you will not be saved because you believe the way that your sins are forgiven is through absolution and penance performed by you. That's a work salvation. It's a merit-based salvation and it's antichrist. Listen to the words of the apostle in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus 
and in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Not of your penance. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So you see, when the Apostle Paul says, by grace you have been saved, he's not talking about grace that comes from the sacrament of penance. He's talking about the unmerited favor of God gifting you with the righteousness of Christ by grace so that you may have the righteousness of another. And that happens at the moment you're born again through a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit by a sovereign God. It's the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus, not His kindness to us for our faithful, meritorious penance prescribed by a confessor who imposes upon us in a confessional box. Titus 3, verse 4 through 8. He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done. Could I say that again? He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Do you notice that that that's past tense? Yes. He He saved us. us. That's past tense. Yes, he saved us. It's done. Done. It's already done. Yes. You don't have to go to some priest to do penance (laughs) because you're already saved. And here again, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Past tense again. have the hope of eternal life. That's right. These passages are so precious to Christians and yet, Roman Catholics are never exposed to these kinds of passages because they fly in the face with the very thing you're trusting for forgiveness of sin. And here's the clincher, I think. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, if we go to a priest, confess our sins, and do penance. No way. No way. It's not in the text. Here's the text. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Praise God. He forgave us all our sins. No confession to a priest, no penance, no absolutions, no mistranslations due to a Latin text. Simply straightforward, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. All the sins, past, present, present and, and future. future. That's right. Now that really drives Roman Catholics nuts. I've had, yeah. a, I've sat down on many of my programs, radio and television, and they give me a hard time because, see, if that's true, past, present, and future. Yeah. All of Roman Catholicism crumbles to the ground. Right. And all our sacraments are totally worthless and of no value. So anyway, what else did you have to say here? Well, I'm going to save the last quote until after I quote from the Council of Trent again. 
Oh, your good buddies from Trent. Here is the Roman Catholic dogma once again. I'm reading from Chapter 3, Council of Trent, and this is still in the 14th session of the Council of Trent. But the acts of the penitent himself, the acts of us, the penitent, we're the penitent when we go into the confessional box. Roman Catholic, you have to understand that you are the penitent when you go in. But the acts of the penitent himself, namely contrition, confession, and satisfaction, constitute the matter of this sacrament, which acts, inasmuch as they are by God's institution required in the penitent for the integrity of the sacrament and for the full and complete remission of sins, are for this reason called the various parts of penance. Did you catch that? Your contrition, your confession, and your satisfaction are for the full and complete remission of sins, and that is a bold-faced lie. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not the revelation of God. There is no scriptural passage that even hints to that sort of thing, and it's a lie of Satan. This, this kind of thing, you wonder why Christians get so upset talking about Roman Catholicism. It's an absolute denial of the finished work of Jesus Christ, his substitutionary atonement, the redemption that is in Christ, the grace of God, the mercy of God. Everything pertaining to reconciliation with God is destroyed the minute you say what you do constitutes the occasion and cause for full remission of sin. That is another gospel. Jesus Christ did not leave us with that. I'll quote finally Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. The Lord does this. He puts his laws in our hearts I will write them on their minds. The Lord does this. He will write his laws on the minds of Christians. Then he adds, their sins, the sins of Christians, the lawless acts, I will remember no more. No more. They're done. Past, present, future sins taken away at the cross. And then he closes by saying this, and where these have been forgiven, Forgiven, what? The lawless acts, the sins, when these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Not Roman Catholic, not Mormon, not Jehovah Witness, not Muslim, nothing. Christ is all. To be in Christ is everything. And that's why Christians worship him as our living Savior, Son of God incarnate, Savior of mankind. Amen. Great presentation. I mean, that was clear as a bell and shows the contrast to an amazing degree. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, as usual, brother, you exceeded my humble expectations. Well, I just, I just, <laughs> I just made some, you know, some notes here, and yeah. I wanted to emphasize yeah. the the notes. And That's right. Compare it with you know, scripture. So it's fantastic. Uh, so. Wonderful, and hopefully this will open the eyes to some of the people by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they'll see what's going on here. We're dealing with a foreign 
religion going under the, the guise of being Christianity. I know. It's not there, there's at nothing, all. There's nothing Christian about it. It's just, it is misery to think of these. Now, there could be a Roman Catholic sitting right here in this room yeah. listening to all this yeah. and not not being soft and being hardened. That's right, because just, just being just just. Well, you got to remember, hard. we we wrote. Remember Romans chapter one. It says yeah. God can give them over to a reprobate yeah. mind. Yeah. Some of these people are like that, and then there's the scriptures that talk about they're they're dead yet while they live, yeah. and, and uh, so that's unfortunate. But we know in First Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen, yeah. the natural the man, man does reason. does not understand the things of God, neither right. can he know them, for yeah. they're spiritually discerned. Yeah. See, there has to be a working of the Holy Spirit. And and otherwise, we, people just can't see the truth. And I think we want to, to add that we hope that God is not done with this nation and he's not done with the word evangelical because look at all of the men and women who are signing these ecumenical right. documents. Look at all the ones who are signing off on the Roman Catholic religion, calling it Christian, we as brothers and sisters. Well, as I mentioned this, and we mentioned this in other videos. 98% of them. Or 90, well, let's see, it's uh, 87%. 87%. Even, 87%. Now, we got a video on this. Check out that video. I, I promote it as much as I can so people understand the kind of nonsense that's happening. Yeah. And they go, oh, I can't understand it. Well, you can understand it if 87% of people who call themselves evangelicals don't know what the gospel is. Yeah. And they don't know what justification by faith is. Yeah. So it makes sense that they can hold hands with idolaters and, uh, you, know, you know. So you're talking about the need for a, a total across the board revival. Well, you need, you need to, just because someone says they're an evangelical doesn't mean they're really a Christian. No. They, no. The, most of the people out there are fake Christians, just like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. There's a narrow way, mm -hmm. and few there be that find it. Then he says there's a broad gate, and many there be that take that broad gate to destruction. And then what does he go on to say there in Matthew 7? As you get into around verse 20, 21, 22, 20, yeah. he's talking about people that claim to be Christians. Right, prophets. Yeah, you know, Lord, false, Lord, didn't yeah, we do many yeah, wonderful works? And, Lord, and then what does Jesus say? Depart from me. I never did, and he's talking to people that claim to be Christians. And you know, there's that emphasis in the in the New Testament when Jesus says something twice, he'll say something like "truly, verily, truly, verily, yeah, truly, verily, verily." What does he say here? Lord, Lord, like these are supposed to be super Christians, yeah. you know. And what is he going to tell the the majority of these guys? I never even knew you. That didn't mean he didn't know about them, but he never knew them in an intimate, personal way through a born again experience through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when you have all this ecumenical stuff going on, what you're really dealing with is unsaved evangelicals merging with unsaved Roman Catholics. Yeah. And that's why it's happening. Because yeah. they're just not born-again people. And, and <laughs> Hank, Hank Hanegraaff is endorsing the Roman Catholic religion. Okay. So by doing this, he's giving his imprimatur to the practices of the Roman Catholic religion. Exactly. Which means he's endorsing confession to a priest. Mm -hmm. And... I can't see any real, truly born-again Christian, let alone someone that is supposed to have been one for decades, yeah. doing anything like that. Yeah, no. And uh, no. I, bought, I did a video not too long ago about how uh, you know people always say, well, you can be a Christian and lose your salvation. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I say if someone 
if, if, a, if a so-called Christian loses his salvation, he was never a true born-again Christian in the first place. And of course, that's 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They, they went out from us. Exactly, us. exactly. Yeah. Because that's what we're, when we're dealing with apostates and yeah. apostate religions, yeah. you're dealing with people who have departed from what this is taught. Uh, and they... And they've gone a different route, like you kept mentioning over on Antichrist. Yeah. It's unbiblical. Yeah. And that explains a lot when you're looking at these situations. It's like, well, they're just, they're just not safe people. Right. <laughs> That's how it can happen. Because uh, if you don't know what the gospel is, you can't be a Christian because you don't even know what the gospel is. You yeah. don't know what John... Now, now, let's finish off this show with the... It seems to me you've made it perfectly clear, because at the beginning, that before you took over... Uh, I mentioned, well, you know, I found out this statistic from the Boston Globe mm -hmm. that 98% of Roman Catholics do not go to confession and don't even go once a year, you know, which is the rule now these yeah. days. It used to be a lot more than that. But, uh, you know, so you, you didn't have to wait a year. You had to do it sooner. But now it's a year, and they don't even do that, 98%. Yeah. So according to everything you've read and exposed in this video, uh, what is your conclusion then that the Roman Catholic Church, according to their dogmas and teachings and Trent and everything else, would say about these 98% of Roman Catholics who are totally ignoring the Roman Catholic uh, sacrament of penance? Hmm. I mean, just like they just threw it out the window. I would so say what is their destination according to Roman Catholic theology and dogma, according to the, the Roman Catholic Church? They're all going to hell. They have no hope. That's That was the conclusion that I had already made previously, but I, I thought, hey, you know, we ought to make a yeah. video on this and really get it. Yeah. So basically what you're saying, and I totally agree with you, and you proved it perfectly in your presentation yeah. with the official Roman Catholic sources, yeah. that the Roman Catholic Church itself would damn to hell 98% of their own membership. Right. So these people that are in the Roman Catholic Church watching this video right now, and everything you've done and showed, and you've proved it from the from the. You don't go now, to confession. Now, you don't have forgiveness of sin. You can't it's do penance. You didn't have a priest to tell you what the penance was, right. the work you right. had to do. Right. So there's no way out of the box. And, and, and so you're basically going to hell because you're forgetting one of the seven sacraments. Right. And so I find this interesting because. So why isn't this emphasized? more in the Roman Catholic religion. They'll lose membership and they will uh, won't get as much money. Because, you know, most of the money that the Roman Catholic Church gets is from the United States. Well, <laughs> and, and that's probably why there are so many uh, schismatics in the Roman Catholic religion. They are not pristine, you know. They have as many break-offs and spin-offs. Exactly. They have right. all these societies that don't even think the Pope at Rome is the Pope. Right, right, they right. They believe the chair is vacant. Right. So, and there's a reason for this. That's Conservative... <laughs> Conservative Roman Catholics who believe in their own religion mm -hmm. are going to confession once a year. Mm -hmm. They're going. Mm -hmm. It's the 30,000 who attend uh, Rutgers. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, they, right. They, they, just, they just show up. They haven't yeah. a clue. Right, they right, They just right. show up. It's just a tradition, a ritual. Yeah. They, it's mom family and dad, tradition. We've been going here. My parents went here. My grandparents, yeah. their parents. Yeah. This is what we do fallback position we're Roman Catholics and we're pretty good people so we're going to go to heaven. Now here's an interesting thing I, I pulled this off the internet this morning before we came out here to do this uh, there was an Irish Times IPSOS MR 
BI, whatever and all that stands for, poll. It was a poll by uh, the Irish Times, a newspaper mm-hmm. over in Ireland. And uh, they did a poll of, of you know, Roman Catholics. And uh, many of them, according to this, many of them didn't even believe in the tenets of their own faith. Uh, these are Roman Catholics. Yeah. And, uh, for instance, in this case, of all these Roman Catholics, almost two-thirds, 62% of these Irish Roman Catholics did not be- believe in the idea of transubstantiation for the Mass. They believe, rather, that the blessing of bread and wine during Mass only represents the body and blood of Christ. It represents, it's a representation. 62% of Roman Catholics well, in how Ireland. are going to have their venial sins forgiven if they believe See, uh, That's why I'm bringing this up, because I can have you deal with this real fast, yeah. too, because they don't, they don't go get their due penance. Right. Free, throw that one out. Now you've got this. It said just over a quarter believe it is transformed at Mass, wow. you know, the Eucharist. 26% according to this poll. So in this case, you've got all these that that don't believe in even the transubstantiation of the Mass, but maybe some of those go to confession. Right. So let's say some of these 62% go to confession, let's say 5% of them. And, but then they don't believe the, the transubstantiation part of the Mass and the Eucharist and the wafer and all that. Do they still go to hell because they failed over here, but they got it right over there? I don't know. That's, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> how, how much can you disbelieve and still be a Roman Catholic? That's the heart of Roman Catholicism. So I would say they're not Roman Catholic. Yeah, in fact, that was. I would argument. say that they are in the wilderness. They are not. But they Christian. attend the Roman, Roman Catholic, Catholic Church and call themselves that's, Roman Catholic. That's part of being in the wilderness. People who are the who are the most lost people in the world. People who don't know their lost. That's right. That's right. They're the That's most exactly lost. right. If I'm out in the woods and I'm wandering around and I'm enjoying nature, the sky, the landscape, and I start getting hungry and I say, well, I'll eat later on. I'm just enjoying this so much. Mm-hmm. It's not until I know I'm lost yeah. that I look for a remedy. That's right. While I'm you lost, just wander they don't know. They're just That's right. wandering. Wander. They're lost and they don't know they're lost. That's right. That's why... Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, having no hope and without God in this world. That's right. I've used that over and over again with people. Do you realize you have no hope in you without God in the world? Do you think you have God in the world? The scripture says you don't have God. You don't have God. That's right. You can go to your church. You can go to your minister. You can go to your baptisms. You can go to your sacraments, but you don't have God. There's only one way to have God, and that's His way. That's it. That's what's so damning about these ecumenical statements. They think that they can manufacture any old which way to get yeah. to heaven. That the way to heaven is insignificant. Yeah. Well, they, they fail to also. If you just know your Old Testament, it was syncretistic religions yeah. matching off with God's, you know, laws of Moses and everything. Mm-hmm. That God just destroyed them for because you know, they're getting syncretistic but you can't mix, you can't mix false religion with god's religion I know. I, and, they, <laughs> and they still do it even to this day and i it, you know i read uh, at the conference i read bill bright's reason for yeah, signing yeah. ect yeah. i went sentence by sentence yeah. and i said here's a man who founded campus crusade for christ yeah. and here is a man who is giving reasons why he believes 
at Roman Catholicism is Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And in the middle of that letter, he says, I personally believe that a man is justified by faith alone. But I believe also that if you don't believe that, that is not grounds. See, see, then he doesn't. That proves to me if someone says that, that he doesn't really believe in faith alone. Because if you really believed in by faith alone in Christ alone, by grace alone, you couldn't make a statement like he just said. Well, what? Well, he says it's just. It's just for me. It's my personal. It's just for me. It's it's like me. I'm personally opposed to abortion, but if my neighbor wants to do it, well, yeah. you know, that's his. That's his what he's saying, right? Yeah, and see, that's that's abortion worse. is wrong for me. Yeah, but it's not wrong for the other. See, guy. that means he's not truly convicted of the absolute will of God in a situation. Like that. He's not convicted that it's absolutely wrong. That's right. And see, yeah. that, that that gives him away. And Jesus yeah. said yeah. in Matthew 7 again, Matthew 7 has always been a big chapter to me yeah. because there's so much in it. But you will know them by their fruits. Right. And I see, that's a get, dead giveaway to me on his fruits. Yeah. And what, I, what's going I, on. I, think, I think it's a classic example of being double-minded. Oh, yeah. I never quite understood what double-minded meant until I read these ecumenical documents. I said, they're double-minded. That's it. They say... J.I. Packer, I firmly believe in justification by faith alone and right. the finished work of Christ alone, but I don't think everybody has to believe that to go to heaven. He's totally. double-minded. Yeah, and that goes. I know what the Indians from the Old West would say about people like that. Forked tongue. They speak with forked tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I even brought that up in another video. I'll save that as a surprise for people. We mentioned this last time we got together on another yeah. video sheet. I mentioned that there's some other so-called Christian apologists that speak with forked tongue. Yeah, uh, so Hank Hanegraaff speaks with forked oh, tongue. Of course. He's and double-minded. And he's not the only one out there. No. So it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. I'm going to finish this up with one last point here. All right. Uh, I, I did, you know, I've, I've got almost 90, well, no, I think it's 88 videos right now on Islam. Mm-hmm. You know, we deal with all the different religions and cults and the whole kitten caboodle uh, but on Islam I found it interesting because I deal, I deal with a lot of Muslims making comments on our Islam videos and uh, so I had a little fun with one Muslim uh, that was talking about how Christianity is all wrong and you gotta you gotta get into your Quran and become a Muslim to get saved and I brought up the fact that uh, well I don't want to do that simply because Muhammad himself said only, and this is in the Hadith, and I tell these Muslims, and I've got a set pat answer that I just copy and paste and stick it in there when I get comments like that from the Muslims. Is that Muhammad himself said in the authoritative Islamic Hadith that only one out of a hundred Muslims makes it to paradise where they get their 72 virgins and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, one out of a hundred. And then over and over again mentions in the Quran of how Muslims are hypocrites and stuff like that. So you've got like a 1% chance in Islam to make it to heaven. Because one out of 100 are going to make it according to Muhammad. Mm. And I tell these Muslims, I say, well, look, i got a better chance. <laughs> We're just talking probabilities. I'll make it to heaven if I stay a Christian. Right. A Christian. You know, I, a one out of 100% chance isn't too good. <laughs> Muhammad actually said that? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, we'll have it in the video. So when we edit this, people at home will get to see that. Uh, but uh, anyway, so 
We've been talking about 98% of Roman Catholics, as you concluded, because they don't they throw out penance and they don't go to confession boxes right. or any right. of that stuff. They're going to hell based on Roman Catholic teachings. Right. So I find it interesting that in Islam, you've got a 1% chance of making it to heaven and a 99% chance of going to hell. Mm-hmm. So it might be better to be a Roman Catholic where you've got a 2% chance of making it to the Roman can, Catholic heaven. You can join in with and, the 2% easier. <laughs> so you got twice as much chance of making it to a Roman Catholic heaven as a Muslim who only has 1% chance of making it to the Islamic heaven. Yeah, why, yeah. what is the 1% based upon? Well, it's based on the comments of Muhammad that's found throughout the Hadith. But what did he base it on? He based it on the fact that he was seeing a lot of Muslims not doing exactly what he teaches. So their works weren't proficient enough. Right, because he could see it. Like he said, if you, like there's, and we've got this in some of our videos. We've got a lot of videos on the Hadith, uh, Sahith, uh, Muslim, and, and Al Bukhari Hadith, and stuff like We just got, we've got 90, well, it's either 92 or 88, one of those two. I keep okay. forgetting how many it is, but uh, anyone that wants to look into our videos on the Islamic Hadith, and there's another uh, great ministry that deals with uh, Islam called Acts 17 Apologetics. And there's also another one called uh, Don't Convert to Islam. This guy was a Muslim. He converted to Islam and learned fluent Arabic. Mm. And, uh, and then he came to the conclusion, though, after 16 years, that Islam was false. Uh, it's basically what converted him. He's got a video on it. It was the fact that... Uh, uh, Muhammad's teaching that you can have sex with a man's wife if you've captured her in combat and the husband has been taken a prisoner of war. But she's also there as a prisoner of war. He said you could go ahead and, because she's in your right hand, you possess her because you uh, captured her. She's like a slave. Yeah, so you can have sex with her even though her husband's just right there. He's alive. Uh, and that got the guy to realize this can't be right. This is adultery and everything. So he came can't out. Can't be right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's another great channel to check out on YouTube if you want to find out some great, really good information, revealing information on Islam. Mm. You know, But we've got a lot of good stuff too. But I have to admit that those two other Christian ministries have a better stuff than we because <laughs> yeah, the guy can speak Arabic yeah. and he can really get into the detail of what the Quran and mm-hmm. Hadith are saying yeah. and Acts 17 Apologetics with David Wood is outstanding and uh, I recommend everybody check out David Wood's video called Who Killed Muhammad uh, that, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite one of his videos and uh, he's got millions more views than we do at the time we're sitting here we've got maybe 13 million 500,000 views or something close to that. But he's got he's got us beat by 10 times over mm. and uh, hundreds of thousands of, of uh, subscribers. So they're the best, I think, uh, in Christian apologetics dealing with Islam. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that, uh, and I've always called it the twin, the two-headed dragon of Satan. You've got Islam as one of the heads and Roman Catholicism is the other head. And it means it's interesting to me that when we look at all these statistics, you've got a 1% chance of getting saved in the Islam head, mm-hmm. and maybe a 2% chance of getting saved in the Roman Catholic head. But we know who the real source of both these religions is it's the, <laughs> the devil, yeah. bi- bi- biblically speaking. So 
I I say just just go with the Word of God, the Bible. I mean, it it it, it proves itself from all the fulfilled messianic prophecies. Mm-hmm. Four hundred fifty-six, and we got videos on this too on our YouTube channel. Uh, messianic prophecies. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah from Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, the history is there for there really was an Israel. Uh, mm-hmm. There really are Jews. There are all these places mentioned. Jerusalem. These, these are real places. Mm-hmm. This is based on facts and evidence. Uh, the teachings, as you study them, you start to realize this really works. It all meshes together like one mm-hmm. guy wrote the whole thing. Even though it was really written by 40 different authors over about 1,500 years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, but it reads like one guy wrote the book. Right. Uh, it, it's funny. We got videos on that, too, in fact, if anyone's interested. Uh, but uh, the fact is, you don't get that in Roman Catholicism or with Islam. In fact, you did a great video. Your, your degree at the Dallas Theological Seminary was in historical theology, correct? Right. So you're, you're very good at church history and all those things. Well, you did a video, and I'm, I'm just advertising it right here for our viewers, called uh, The Historical Split Between Roman Catholicism and the Christ of the Scripture. Mm. And I want some viewers out there to go check out that video. You're seeing it on the screen right now as I'm talking about it. Uh, but uh, The Historical Split Between Roman Catholicism and the Christ of the Scripture. And it really shows you the difference between what Roman Catholicism has evolved over into mm-hmm. over all these centuries, whereas the Scripture has remained steady and solid the whole time. Right. Uh, so this book, this book here, the Bible, can get the job done for proving itself. I think Spurgeon said, "Well, the, the, you know, the, the Word of God is like a lion. You know, it just." It can protect itself. It yeah. just it'll, it'll, it'll do its own roaring and get the job done. And with the power of the Spirit, uh, the Word of God just comes alive. And, and then you spiritually come alive as you read it and know the truth of the matter. Well, with that, Rob, any final statement before we go off the air? Only Anything that, you'd like to say to any Roman Catholics out there watching you right now? Only that the Lord was very concerned about those who would come after him. He was very concerned that they would stay close to the truth, sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. And most Roman Catholics that I have dealt with over the years are not involved in reading their Bibles, studying their Bibles, asking questions of their own religion with Bible in hand. So I just encourage you to get into the word and um, remember that... uh, Man-made religions lead to an eternal separation with God, whereas the Word of God brings you into eternal fellowship with God. That's what we're here to tell you. Amen. Amen. Well, Rob, it was great to have you here, as usual. It's always a joy and a pleasure for me to have you with me. And uh, so, folks out there, we're going to sign off for this particular program. Thank you for joining us for Christian Answers Present. Uh, Be with us again for a new uh, session uh, when we uh, post another video on YouTube or Sermon Audio. That's another place you can find our videos along with a lot of written transcripts of our videos as Sermon Audio at SermonAudio.com. So you can go there to get our transcripts. But usually I'll mention something about in the comments section below on all our videos. So 
If uh, you don't actually go there, maybe you can find a link to Sermon Audio down in the description uh, in the comments section under this video and all our videos, as a matter of fact. Well, with that said, I'm Larry Wessels for Christian Answers of Austin, Texas, Christian Debater. I want to thank you for being with us. And just remember this, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And how do I know that? Because it's here in the Word of God. It's not some from Council of Trent from 500 years ago or something like that. It's the Word of God that tells me that. And that is a more sure word that will not fade away. It's the Word of God. With that said, thank you again for being with us. Join us again next time. God bless. If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screens.